Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bold Men's Podcast. Uh, we are doing a new format here in the past couple weeks where we are uh, dealing with the text that we're talking about on Monday nights. We're going to be talking about that here on the podcast in case you miss a week. You can stay kind of in the know with the conversation that happened in your absence. I'm sitting around the table today with our normal crew, Joe Graves, Larry Heiler. Hey. We are all here tonight, and we're talking about Acts chapter 15. Now, now usually we talk about several uh, several. Uh, yeah, several chapters, chapters go. Uh, but tonight we're talking about one chapter and one chapter alone, and that's Acts 15. So if you haven't read Acts 15 yet and you're listening to this in podcast form, it might be a great idea to pause, read, and then come back and listen to our conversation. That is absolutely correct, John. We are uh, in Acts chapter 15, and not even the whole chapter. It it's kind of interesting that the way chapters are split up in the Bible, but tonight it's one through 35. So if you're reading. It's a real quick read. So what has happened is there's been a major problem come up in the church, and it was bound to happen. Yeah. Given the demographics that we're talking about, this is Jewish society and clashing with Greek, classic Greek society. And you, I, I mean, can you all imagine in a church there's division? Oh, wow. <laughs> We've never seen that, well, have we? What can we imagine a church in unity? What? That's the real question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love the argument that a lot of people say. Uh, you know, in church leadership, anyway, they'll say, "Well, we want to be a first century church." Uh, you know, and I'm like, "Well, that's that's great and fine," but you realize there was problems there too, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and probably more so. So let's put this in context. Last week, Paul and Barnabas finish up their first missionary journey. They were sent by the Holy Spirit on this journey. And they, it was a relatively small journey compared to the next ones, but it was still around 1,500 miles or so. They uh, <laughs> encountered a lot of trouble. Paul got stoned thoughtfully to death, you know, and, and he got up and walked back into a town. But, you know, it, really crazy how that first missionary journey finished up. And then um, the, the thing is, the gospel was taking root. The gospel message was beginning to take root with the Gentiles. Uh, there's, and as I said, there's trouble brewing because this sect of Jews, the, of the Pharisees, they're believers, but they're Pharisees converted to believers. And uh, they're causing a controversy in the church for the Gentile converts saying that they have to follow the law of Moses to be circumcised, which is a huge thing with the Jews. Uh, those are your outward signs of your inward Jewishness, right? It, that that was what they judged it by. And so they were saying, hey, these Gentiles need to be just like a proselyte in Judaism. They need to go on and, and follow the law and be circumcised, because that's what they always did. That's all they knew. And so they were causing this trouble in Antioch, specifically because, let's, let's face it, these guys come out of Jerusalem. They say, let's go up there and see what's happening in Antioch. Okay. Right? Yeah. And they get up there and they're like, oh, whoa, whoa, you're a bunch of Gentiles. We need yeah. you all to start acting like Jews. Right? And it's interesting that in the letter that the council is going to be sending, here they're, they're going to send two other people. Uh, uh, they sent Jude, uh, Barnabas and Silas uh, with Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and, they, and, and James is very specific. We're sending these guys as authoritative voices of the That's church. Right. The contrast there is these people that went up causing trouble, these Judaizers, w weren't 
sent with the authority of the church. Correct. No. Correct. You know what I'm saying? They, they they were outside. So that's absolutely correct. So they were they were acting on their own behalf, yeah. on their own interest, and taking some liberty that wasn't afforded them uh, by the apostolic ministry in Ju- in uh, Jerusalem. So Acts 15 is all about the first big problem and the way the church came together in a meeting format. We call it the Council of Jerusalem. And it's about how the leadership of the church hammers this out and the solution they come up with and how they arrived at that solution is critical. Yeah. And that's what we're going to cover today. And I'm really excited about this because the implications for the church today. That's right. If it doesn't apply today. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. critical that we understand this yeah. in our church, and especially you know small groups. It doesn't matter in your family. It it is critical. It applies in every area of your life. What what happens today is going to have application. Yeah, that's right. So we're going to move into it. Uh, so basically, here go here we go. Some men come down from Judea, correct, mm-hmm. on their own accord, uh, teaching circumcision, salvation. That's what I'm. I'm going to coin that phrase, circumcision, salvation. Can mm-hmm. you say that three times? I cannot. I can't say it once. <laughs> I'm surprised I got it out twice. And it's really, uh, I think, uh, troubling because these guys, of course, they've been uncircumcised their whole life, right? I, <laughs> yeah. Why change now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, what's the point, guys, that you're coming in here saying, well, I got to look like a Jew now? I mean, what? I, what's this whole Jesus thing about then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? I mean, I thought I was saved by grace. That's what Paul's been telling me for you know, two or yeah, three years th- this, now. This is an issue that truly has to be resolved. Oh, yeah. I mean, the church can't move forward without this being resolved. Uh, yeah. Because, you, and you have to understand, you know, for for myself, for audience, the audience's sake, these Gentiles knew nothing, nothing of the the law, the, the, uh, the law, right. Moses's, Dietary circumcision, and they didn't care. Well, they probably because, saw because, the Jews. But listen, what Paul, the message Paul preached, like you just said, Joe. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, freedom. You're saved by faith, or through by grace through faith in Christ alone. And then here you come saying, "Well, wait a minute, for you can get in our club." Well, this isn't your club. <laughs> well, well, I think that's a good question to ask, though, because it's something I haven't asked that much until until uh, studying for today. Why is it that these men from Judah are teaching this circumcision? Why? Why? Like, why does it matter to them the shape of your foreskin? You know what well, I mean? And I'm, and I, yeah. What's their motivation? And it's not. It's not. I don't believe it's motivation. It's definitely not directed by the Holy Spirit. It's what. It's the kind of motivation that we have today when we see division in the church today. That and it's it's one's opinion. Tr- One's arrogance, one's tradition, self righteousness, one's tradition. Tradition, tradition. That's a good one. I, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing here. Is these guys? I don't think they have nefarious motives. I think they are trying to live accurately as they've always lived. And this new gospel of Jesus is, in even Jesus' own words, the completion of the law. And so they've new got covenant. this. They've got this this long term uh, uh, understanding of hey, you're you're certain, you know. Uh, a Jewish child is circumcised on the eighth day, right? To to come into the fold, there must be circumcision. So you, yes, you can get saved, 
Acts chapter ten taught us that with Peter, with uh, Cornelius and his oh, they household. Agree, they, I think they agree. Salvation with that. Yeah. is possible, yeah. but you must first become a Jew to become a Christian. Yeah. That's I think a big deal. I don't think it's nefarious, but I think it is. I, I think it's holding on to a heritage that 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 they are short sighted in seeing the true fullness of the gospel. So, so you don't think there's any personal in the game in this? It's all it's all seriously. They're 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 truly trying to do what's. I do think that they're trying to do what's right. Okay, they just have a they like Apollos in uh, seventeen uh, that we'll read about later. They they have they don't have a full understanding of the gospel of Jesus. Correct, and that lack of understanding of how you can live your life out as a Jew following the law of Moses, as long as you understand your righteousness doesn't come from that, you're fine if you want to live that out. But leave the Leave the Gentiles alone yeah. that are, you know, living their life right in front of God as well. Yeah. They can't they don't understand that yet because that hasn't been laid down yet. Right. Right. And it's fixing to get laid down. And Paul and Barnabas have a vested interest here because they've yes, been they in Antioch do. for some time now teaching and developing disciples. Yep. And this is a non Jewish church here, a, a Gentile church. And so verse two, I love that after and after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them. Correct. I think that's great. No yeah, small, was, was you know. Small. They, was, they it, argue the point. Yeah, they, Let's put it like that. That's right. Was, they argue it, and to ad nauseum, yeah. and will not give it up. And the church leadership, imagine them. These guys are Greeks. They're not Jews. They're, they're like, like, whoa, what, what is going on? And all these Jews now arguing back and forth about foreskins and... You know, what's so you've got the the church here now split. You've got you've got the local church is unable to make that 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 a a conclusion. So what they do is they send Paul and Barnabas and some of the others are appointed to go to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question: Must I be circumcised? How Jew must I become to be a Christ follower? I think that's a fantastic thing. And so, verse three: uh, So being sent. On their way by the church, they pass through these areas here. Right, um, Samaria. Uh, hello, that's that's a big one. They they hated Samaritans, right? <laughs> yeah. They passed through that. They could have walked around it, but no, they went through it. And what did they do? They told about this Gentile conversion to all these people they saw and all along the way. Hey, yeah. God's accepting Gentiles. Guess what? You're on that boat too. You can be accepted. And yeah. the and the result of that that spreading of that gospel is what. Great joy. Great joy. Great, Great joy. joy to all the brothers. And all so, brothers. Yep. you know, it, it, it's fascinating. Uh, uh, sometimes we see, I, I think a lot, maybe not we, but a lot of people see Christian, um, Christ, Christianity as a burdensome thing. And if you see Christianity as a burdensome thing that, 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 that denies you the ability to have fun, you're looking at it wrong. The response of the gospel always breeds joy. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think many people in our in our world today say, "Well, if I give my life to Jesus, man, I'm not going to be able to party. I'm not going to be able to drink. I'm going to have to, you know, pay attention to only have sex with one woman, whatever that is." You're right. you, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I've heard it. It's always, you know, it's often seen as a burdensome thing. But what we see throughout Scripture, and we can testify that ourselves. Oh yeah, the freedom, when you the understand what Christ has offered us, yeah. it brings joy. Yeah, right. It, it does. brings so much joy. Yeah. And so, and so that's, that, that's maybe yeah. a, a something to wrestle with for our listeners. If you feel, if you see Christianity, if you see Jesus, and you see the, the, all the things you can't do, you're looking wrong. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Looking wrong. Absolutely. So by the end of verse 5, 
everybody's back in Jerusalem now, and the Pharisees followed the party right back. You know, they they all tra- trampled back down there. And what's well, the Pharisee? It's the Pharisee believers. That's right. They're Pharisee. Well, which, they're believers. Yeah, but which is fascinating the, because who had Jesus killed? Exactly. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, and maybe that's something we overlook sometimes. But the people who had Jesus killed, the people who were who, who were very powerful in getting Jesus killed, many of that party would later become followers of Jesus. That's right. But they still identify as Pharisees. Again, there's a thing. There's a lesson for us here. If we become Christians, the new life that we are, then we have to shed the old that's the right. old life. You know what There's I'm prestige in being a Pharisee. If you know anything about that day and time, the Pharisee was more than just a guy who went to church, who went to, to synagogue on Sunday. It was a guy that was invested mm-hmm. in the education yeah. since a little kid and never left it. And, and they were looked up to well, in Jew, Jewish society. Yep. And so to let go of that, is, it's a little bit of pride going on here, yep. okay? Yeah. So to be bringing this, and they stand up though in the middle of all this when when they get down there and the assembly's been called, they stand up and they say, "Hey, it's necessary to circumcise these guys and to command them to follow the law of Moses, because these old nasty Greeks are doing their own thing, <laughs> and that's not Jewish." Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's really the, the whole point. In order, they still saw Christianity. And I can understand this. Sure. I mean, I want to be sympathetic sure. to this. They saw Christianity as the fulfillment of Judaism. And they started looking back and they said, okay, look, that's always been God's promise for the nations to be blessed. Even going back to Genesis 12, the covenant with Abraham is a covenant, a promise that salvation would come to the yes. whole world. Yeah. And so they see this as a as a fulfilling thing, but 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 you don't fulfill by getting rid of, in their opinion. Yeah. Now, now we're going to talk more about that when we get to the yoke later yeah, and the response. But yeah. I think that's an important thing to point out. It's so easy for us to moralize characters in the Bible and see good guys and bad guys, and then we will read ourselves into the text and we'll say, "Well, we're the good guys, and everybody that opposes us are the bad guys." That's not what the Bible is all about. You know, I know what I'm, you know what I'm saying there. Oh, the, the Bible is about bad people and a good God, right? Period. But, yeah, period. That's right. Everybody messes up in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all of them are, are are messed up, and we're going to see with even with Peter and, and Paul, they're they're mess ups. Uh, they're mess ups who are redeemed and set straight by by the Lord, and that's what we need to see ourselves as: as mess ups who are redeemed and set on a path that's by right. the Lord. That's right. So imagine this, guys. <clears throat> The Jerusalem Council convenes, and in the same room, you've got 12 apostles, presumably. You've got the early deacons. You've got all the elders of the church. You've got Paul, Barnabas, Silas, uh, the new uh, Judas, not the Judas that, of course, could have, but the, the one of the elder or yeah. one of the disciples, Judas, who was well-known for being a man of God. All these heroes of the faith, the early church, all in the same room, sitting there, and they get into this debate. There's actually a debate about this. You have Paul and Peter saying, hey, you know, and Peter goes into it first, right? He speaks first, and he reminds them, not so eloquently either, just blurts it out kind of like, hey, God chose me. You all know this. God yeah. chose me to 
to lay this out to the Gentiles by the sheet being let down out of heaven, a big TV screen with animals. Like, hey, Peter, go and go and eat. And, and maybe even referring to Jesus' words to him when he says, hey, Peter, upon your confession of faith, right. I'll build this church. Yeah. Like, like, like that, that might be a, a reference to that as well. Guys, remember, God made a choice among you that my mouth, yep. my mouth will be used here. That's big. God's sovereign choice, not ours. Right. That's a big key there. But evidently, not all the church was in agreement. I mean, let's face it, there was the Pharisee end of it, but there was actually a debate. If it was just one little group of guys, like, hey, bringing this charge, a few Pharisee disciples of Christ, you know, and, and no, they would have, get out of here. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're about. But no, there was actually a long debate about this. And after many words, Peter begins his dialogue. And his his main points was that that God chose him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles and that the Holy Spirit was given as a witness to their conversion. Yeah. That those are his main points to this situation going on that you know, and then that's that's his piece of the pie. That's that's his piece of the equation that he knows that he can testify of, and go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, look at verse eight there. And God, he says, Peter says to him. So so he chose me to spread the gospel of Gentiles. And God, who knows the heart, the the contrast there is mm-hmm. you don't right. That's right. These people are coming to saving faith. You don't know their heart, mm-hmm. but God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them. How? By giving the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he's made no distinction between us and them having the, having, they're having the Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, they're, they're, their hearts are cleansed by faith. Understand that this is God's movement. This isn't the Jewish movement, right? This isn't something that we mm-hmm. hold on to. It's not, something, it's not our power that's created this to happen. It's God who's done that. So understand the source of power. Right? Oh, yeah. Understand the source of power. Therefore, I love verse 10. I, I love it. It's a key question that he asks, and I think it stops everybody in their tracks because they realize their mistake that yeah. they've made. Yeah. This, go for it. Read yeah. it. Yeah, if he he says, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? What does he mean by by that? Putting God to the test by placing a yoke. What do you? What's he mean by that? The the yoke being placed on them would have been the the law being placed, trying to fulfill the law on your own merit. It was impossible. And if you know, fifteen hundred years of Jewish history wasn't enough to prove to them that you couldn't fulfill the law on your own. Even Abraham was was made right by faith, right? Uh, yeah, and I think I think the test the the test itself. I think Peter might be thinking back of when he was on the roof. Yeah, and God says, Peter, you're going to call something that's I say is clean unclean. Yeah, when I say, you know when I say and like your reference, John, this is about God, not about men. This isn't about doctrine. This isn't about Dietary laws, this isn't about the law, this is about God. When yeah. I say, and that's the test, mm-hmm. to come back and dispute what he has said. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I love thinking about what he's saying here. Who are you to put God to the test? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's God's ballgame. And then, two, by placing a yoke 
on the neck of the disciples that neither our forefathers or us could bear. The purpose of a yoke, I mean, you all are much more farmers than I am. The purpose of a yoke on an animal is to do what? It holds it in line. It holds it in line. You harness its power, and you keep it in line. And it makes it easier for it to do its work. You put a yoke between two work animals, and it lightens the load. It makes it easier and more attainable. But what they're placing now is a much harder thing. The yoke is really having an adverse effect. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So, you know, and and then he follows it up in verse 11, saying, On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way that we are. We believe they are saved by grace, just Mm -hmm. like we are. It has nothing to do with the yoke of the law being placed as a burden on them. But, But see, that's interesting because the first century Jews, I firmly believe, saw themselves as able to perfect the law. I mean, think about it. It, it, they, it is an exchange did. of things. Paul even says himself, hey, when, in regards to the law, blameless, right? Paul says that in Philippians, I think. In regards to the law, I was blameless. The problem is that never satisfies. There's t- You're like a hamster on a wheel, always chasing. It has no power. There's, yeah. No power to yeah. save. That's right. And so he says, guys, now how do we do this today? You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about how this applies for us today. How do we place a yoke on people? Well, I mean, a, a simple oh, reason my. would be, hey, uh, I don't think I can go to that church because uh, they expect you to wear suit. I, I remember I told the story before. I, I had a minister once give me suits and say, I expect you to wear these on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, and here I am, a bad high school kid, and I'm not wearing a suit. Right. Um, that's a yoke that's being placed. That's right. I remember as a, as a as a child thinking, man, I, I, I'm doing this Christianity thing wrong because they're all perfect, and I've still got sin. This is a problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I th- think about how we place yokes on people today, how this we, applies we to do. us. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, tradition is a nasty thing. We were talking about that earlier. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, right. it's a terrible thing, and, and you start to believe things that aren't even in Scripture. You know where the flag should stand, or where <laughs> you know what yeah. what you got to wear in there to church. Yeah, you know, all that. But notice too that Peter doesn't say that I believe that they're saved by faith. He says That's right. we believe. Yeah. He's making a, a community statement there that we, as a body of believers, now believe that they are saved through faith um, or by faith. It's not through faith. It's through grace, which he'll hit on here in a minute. Yeah. Um, and the assembly's response to Peter's message here, mm-hmm. his simple message here, they fell silent. I, I love that. Just, the assembly fell silent. The uh, the word that's used there, uh, I believe, is ecclesia, which is the church, right? That's right. The, the, the collected body of, of believers fell silent, and then they continued to listen to Paul and Barnabas as they relayed the, the signs and the wonders that God had done that's right. among them with the Gentiles. When they'd finished speaking, then James speaks. So let's talk about this James character real quick. Well, of course, we read a couple of three or four chapters ago, Herod had James, the brother of John, killed. So don't confuse this. This is the John, James that's often confused, but this is most likely the brother of Jesus at this yeah. point, the one that wrote the book of James. So, uh, the, you know, keep that in mind that uh, James now is most likely, and oddly enough, convening this, most likely presiding over this council. And he's 
fixing to or beginning or he's going to make a summary statement right now. Basically, this is a summary statement that is going to be what they're deciding that they're going to include in a letter that's going to go back to Antioch. So James begins, he's, he, he starts his uh, conversation about what he's concluding on this. Um, so think of James as an officiator, and this is a summation. He's got four points in, in, his, in his statement here. Um, but, but before we go there, um, we'll talk about this quote right here in verse 16 and 17. I found this quote kind of interesting because the quote doesn't quite stand as a whole in the Old Testament. It's a, it's a mishmash, and this happened quite a bit in the New Testament, where you would quote Old Testament, but it would be two different scriptures. The first part of it... It may be, but I think it's three I, I, here. It's uh, the Jewish tradition would they, they, they refer to it as stringing pearls. Correct. In Jewish That's thought. correct. Uh, I know Amos, uh, and I know there may be a couple in Isaiah, but I know Amos chapter nine verse eleven is the first chunk of this, and it's almost word for word. But oddly enough, he's not quoting it from Hebrew; he's quoting it from the Septuagint in Greek. So he's quoting the Greek text here, and we know that because the Greek text words this section in Amos very differently than the Hebrew text, uh, saying that, so the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. And that is the quote from, from Amos. And then the last part declares the Lord who makes all things known from long ago. That's coming straight out of Isaiah chapter 45, verse 21, if you want to look it up. So, but what he's his point here is that it's promised from long ago that through the line of David, the Messiah would come and rebuild this great nation, but not out of the brick and clay of Israel only. It will be made out of the entire body of believers in the entire world, and Christ will redeem it. It's I find it a very interesting. Uh, place to put that quote in there, but he's using Old Testament scripture to support yes. what he's fixing yep. to say. Um, he says in verse twenty that instead we should write to them, and this these are the four things that he's going to try to include in this letter. Number one, abstain from things offered to idols, which was totally. Um, you know, a terrible thing to do in, in Judaism. In <clears throat> they could not stand uh, meats offered idols. It was just a, a an abomination to them. So I think some of that, maybe that rule was included in there, just not to offend the Jews around. You know, I mean, that would yeah. just totally make you want to vomit, right, if you were a Jew. Um, no blood. Stay away from blood. Nothing strangled, and no sexual immorality. So, and and pretty good things to, to, but some dietary laws in there, aren't there? Yeah. Got some dietary laws thrown in there for yeah. some reason. And yeah. then the sexual immorality. Well, that that covers a wide gamut of things. But he does, notice he doesn't say no thieving, 
you know, respect your parents. Right. Doesn't hit the rest Honor, of the, yeah, yeah it doesn't hit Honor the rest the of Sabbath. the, yeah, Sabbath, Sabbath I mentioned, yeah. Shabbat's not in, yeah. None of that's in, and, and I find it interesting what he chose to include in this. I wonder why. That, that's the question. Why? Yeah, why? why? Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was probably, and that's, this is probably the, the biggest point we can, I, I think we can draw out of this text for today is look at verse, uh, 28. I, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but great. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. <laughs> it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Okay. And to us, you know. <laughs> uh, to lay on you these, uh, uh, to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And some translations say these essentials, right? But the meaning is requirements. Well, required for what? I mean, what's this required for? Yeah, is it salvation or no. is it upstanding? I, I think it being an upstand, upstanding member of your body of Christ. Right? I, th- I think it goes back to what we were talking about before we started. One word: unity. Come on, preach it, brother. I'm, I mean, that's what it's about. Tell us about it. Not to disrespect the Jewish, uh, the proselytes, whatever you want to call them, the, yeah. Ju- the Judaizers, um, and to unify the church. And and look. We get into this thing a little bit about the weaker brother. Yeah. And if a, if a, you know, look at, uh, I'm kind of getting off, but look at Timothy. He went, he, he circumcised, had himself circumcised Mm -hmm. just so for the weaker brother. Yeah. And, and that's what this is, you know, this is all about the other guy. This isn't about you or our thing. This is the thing as God is doing, and we need to do whatever. We need to do not to offend, but to unify. This church is just like Joe was saying, is taking off. We need to make sure yeah. that this doesn't crash yeah. or become dissected. And, you know, it, it needs to be. So we, we need to include the weaker brother. Yeah. That's right. And Paul really hits on that later on yeah. in, in his epistles. We're going to cover some of that ground yeah. in the coming months through his epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. We're going to cover a lot of that ground about caring for your brother who may be weaker yep. and abstaining from things yeah. that would yeah. cause them, yeah. the weaker vessel, to... Because, to, yeah. you know, they, they have conscientious uh, objections. That's a great reason to include this in here. And, you know, we just finished Romans not too long ago, before we started Acts. Yes. We finished, and Romans talks heavily, Paul talks heavily about the, the strong and the weak and who the strong is and who the weak that's is. That's right. And, and, and this kind of goes with it. I, I think that's the key thing that... I think we can take away from chapter 15 here in this council is is these requirements aren't requirements for salvation. That's right. They're requirements for unity. Unity. And so for the sake of unity, abstain from meat sacrificed to idols. Abstain from blood that's harnessed in a, or uh, blood that's in meat and not harnessed in an appropriate way uh, from what's been strangled. Uh, abstain from sexual immorality. This is good for the sake of all. Now, look, listen, abstaining from sexual immorality is good all the time. There's a lot of debate that we can have well, about and, what and, that means. And you got to understand, at that time, the Gentiles thing with sexual immorality was a gamut. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was family and look what was going Incestuous, on in Corinthians. Yep. That's right. Incestuous. So, you've got so temple it, prostitutes. It, you've got sex. Is Really, truthfully, um, our culture and our world is much more sexualized. 
but sex was a huge part of oh, the yeah. first century world, In especially the Gentiles. Especially yeah. the Gentiles. Yeah, and and this all goes back to not offending, not the letter of the law to the Jew. Yeah, this is not what he's talking about here. This is the law of love. Yeah, to your brother. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. If you That's see right. a brother in here, and he can't quite get it, so you're not going to go in and say, "Boy, you just can't." You you work with that brother through yeah. love yeah. and teach. And that's what James is saying here. Very wise, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Very wise. So can we apply this for a minute in our world today? How does this apply for our world today? The the, the goal in uh, in this council, the, the letter that's sent from the council in Jerusalem, is, is to foster unity. So how do I embody that in my life today? How do I embody that in my life today? Well, think about it like this. Um, let's say I, I have a brother or sister uh, who I know struggles with alcohol use, mm-hmm. and I invite them over to my house, right? Right. It, it would be wise of me to not pop out a beer and start drinking in Absolutely. front of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Now, is or, it wrong of me to do that? N- not necessarily. Yeah. But but no, it, it's it's what sacrificing my liberty for the sake correct. of. For the sake of everyone else, that's so that's, right. that's the key here. That's yeah, that's, that's the it. Key. And I think that's one of the big things that we need to be aware of. That if you know somebody's got a problem, don't crack a joke about whatever it is they're having an issue with. Be sensitive to the fact that they are struggling with that, and that you making a, a it might a, seem stupid yeah, and silly. Exactly. There's the point. But that's you know, I mean, we know this in parenting, right? We don't want to minimize minimize our children's response to things that might be small tiny we don't want to say oh that's dumb get over it because that teaches them in time that i can't go to dad over things that bother me because right. he's just gonna say that's just dumb get over it you know what i mean <laughs> like like we we it's <laughs> that, an important that's thing so for them. true it's yeah. important for them and so it needs to be important to a degree to us because it's important to them yeah that's right it's all about unity maintaining unity and that's what that's what this you know hey we're gonna put these things on on you not for the sake of salvation, but this, for the sake of the unity of the church. Do these things, and you will do well. And one other note there. I think if you find yourself being the weaker brother, that the stronger brothers need to you know, bring you along in your faith. But you, know, you shouldn't be stagnant in your weakness, uh, where, wherever that is. You should always be trying to grow yes, to where yeah. that you don't have that... Uh, crippling effect on on the body of believers. Um, Even though the things that James lists here are absolutely good not to do, regardless of if you're a Jew or not. You don't want to eat an animal that's full of blood, that's been strangled, or you don't want to eat blood. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, The Germans had this stuff called bloodwurst. Uh It's actually just blood that's been cooked into a sausage. Gross. It is gross, right? It's just... But, you know... um, (laughs) <laughs> it's it's today this is and this is what i think we need to hammer on is what does this how does this apply to us we need to lay down our rights we don't have any rights that's right we, we're not our own we've been bought so i am enslaved to this this master who mm-hmm. tells me your weaker brother is way more important than you are and yep. if just what you just said joe yeah and I mean, the weaker brother should be working on his weaknesses, but it's not. That's that's not, right. It's up to the stronger brother to to take control of that situation. Say no, we're not going to go there, because. But here, here's one more thing I want to talk about before we leave out from this chapter. 
when they wrote the letter, I love the way that it's worded in verse 25. He says, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you with our dearly beloved Barnabas and Paul. What they're doing is here, they're saying our authority is going with these men we've selected. But not only that, it's going with Barnabas and Paul. You listen to these guys from now on because they they are going to be your authority now to teach. And there should be no more of this having to come to Jerusalem to make these decisions. And you don't see that again. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a one-and-done type of deal, uh, and I think it was— But I love the fact that they came up with the idea of consensus. It was not a divided deal. And you makes you wonder what happened to the Pharisee believers if they said, oh, we were wrong, mm-hmm. or did they get up and leave? Interesting. It, it is yeah. interesting, but they achieved unity in coming to this decision of what to write to Antioch. It's a great lesson to church leadership today. If you can't come into agreement with whatever you're deciding to do, don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Get to the bottom of your problem that you're dealing with, because there you got a problem. There's mm-hmm. a problem there somewhere where you can't get into unity with your brother in Christ who's in leadership. Uh, it's just a look into leadership. Yeah. It's a great rule of thumb. Consensus. Everybody in agreement. Yeah. No reservations. Yeah. No hold back here. We're all in on this, guys. Well, you all just do these four things out of love for your fellow man and and get along. Let and unity I, grow in and the I church. Want, and I want to believe that they all were in agreement. I want because to because when when Peter was when Peter spoke or James spoke when they just fell silent. Peter, was it James, Peter's, James, was James, James's speech stopped them said, in their. Okay. Oh, was it James? Yeah. Okay. And so, then Paul and Barnabas take. So on. that tells me wasn't that right, or was it? It was uh, Peter's speech, wasn't it? I'm wrong. It was yeah, Peter's, Peter's speech. speech, and then Paul and Barnabas, yeah. Barnabas spoke, and, I, and then James. I, I'm under the. Okay, I'm, I'm under the thought that they just like, yeah, wow, this is this yeah, is this yeah, is right. Yeah, yeah. Because it says they were in agreement. I'm thinking instead of, and it's possible because it doesn't say. But I'm thinking they're both. In but we know in time that not all of the Jewish Christians are going to still agree with this teaching. Mm-hmm. We know this is going to be a re- yeah. reoccurring issue. Yeah. yeah. And so the leadership was in agreement. You know, I think that's a key thing there. And then, and then the decision was made and sent out because the church leadership, those who were in that position, came to one accord. And isn't that the most important thing? Boy, that is, isn't it? Oh, that's that's huge. Huge. Yeah. That's absolutely huge. Yeah. I, I love it. That's just some of the biggest things that you can draw from this section of Scripture. And uh, the outcome was unity of the brethren. Yeah. Unity. unity of the brethren, rejoicing, and Paul and Barnabas remain in Antioch as leaders, and they, they pull the church in Antioch forward, and it becomes a key launching point for the next subject that we're going to cover next week which is the second and third missionary journey. Read verse 31. Read verse 31. Okay, go ahead, Larry. Well, read verse 30 and 31. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, which is the church, they delivered the letter. This is the letter, the Uh Jerusalem Council. And when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Again, it wasn't a list of don't do's. Right. 
you know, a letter I mean? of encouragement. Like, we can read that and say, well, you can't do this, and you can't eat meat, and you can't have blood, and you can't have sex with whoever you want. Uh, but they see it as a letter of encouragement. encouragement. Why? Because their per- picture of when you see Jesus accurately, when you understand the gospel in a right way, what you're being asked of is not to your detriment. You're not missing out on blank. You are encouraged by the freedom you have from blank. And, and ancestral <laughs> just... By hundreds and hundreds yeah. and generations had never, had never agreed, um, Jews and Gentiles, and 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 something like this, and received it with yeah. with good great joy yeah. and rejoiced over it. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's it's good stuff, man. We have to remember how many, how long this this Gentile Jew thing has been going on. Yeah, and now all of a sudden it's like they're united. I mean it's a big deal. It's a big deal for us. But it doesn't last, does it? No, because it in Romans, which we covered first. Uh, it it becomes a huge issue. That's right, and, and Paul has to deal with, and it, it will again. always be an issue. Yep. It's even an issue today. today. The question that we have uniquely as 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 twenty uh, first century Americans is: Will I sacrifice liberty for the sake of the gospel? That's the thing that's gonna that's gonna hit us, mm-hmm. and that's stuff that yeah. we need to be prepared for now. At right. what point do I give up my freedoms for the sake of the gospel? That's a challenge that you know our brothers and sisters around the world are already right. fighting. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know what I mean? They're already having yeah. to make those decisions that we will too. The question is, what do we hold dear? The gospel of Jesus or my personal freedom? <laughs> Every one of us needs to have a really wrestling match with that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, are we going to sacrifice our comfort? Yeah. For yeah. Christ? Are we yeah. willing to? We need to make that decision now in our mind ahead of time before it happens. That's right. Uh, The purpose of this in chapter 15 of Acts is all about building unity among the believers, not with the world, not with with society, but with believers. And believers that are radically different. That's right. Radically different viewpoints of the world. Christ can incorporate them all. Mm Mm-hmm. In a beautiful way, because it's not—it's his thing, not ours. After it's, all, it's his thing. Yeah, and and he said, you know what? I'm going to slay those giants, but I'm not going to do it with a sword. I'm going to do Very it with good. love. I'm going to do it with sacrifice. And it's it's a beautiful thing, guys. Next time we're going to go into uh, Acts chapter fifteen. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, fifteen thirty-six through twenty-one sixteen. That's going to be your reading material. It's Paul's second and third missionary journey. Fantastic. We'll see you next week on the Bold Men's Podcast. Amen, brother. Amen.